Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Dave. Hello. And Tori. Hello, Internet. Uh, No Craig this week. He has other commitments. And by that, I mean he's a jerk. Uh, So we start every week with Good Thing. Dave, what you got? All right. My Good Thing this week is a series of interviews with Jason Alexander. I don't remember the exact ones that I watched, but probably any interview with Jason Alexander is great. Explains what it's like to work with Larry David. And just really shows, you know, the depths he went to to really understand his subject as he was portraying him on Seinfeld. And just it showed a lot of just intelligence and real seriousness as an actor in those interviews. Interesting. I feel like he's kind of gotten typecast as just a real jerk. Like Duckman. I can't think of a single role that I've seen him in where he wasn't just a complete butt face. How about playing himself in Curb Your Enthusiasm? Everyone in that show was terrible. <laughs> which was That's the point of that great. show. I love that show. Probably more than I should. I mean, I'm sure he's a very nice person, like, in real life, but... Yeah. That's a side of him that you get to see in the interviews. It's really it's really great to see just how, how docile he is. <laughs> and it just makes me respect him more as an actor for having to portray Larry David. Interesting. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, George Costanza. Uh, so are these on, like, YouTube? Yeah, they were on YouTube. They just popped up in my feed one day, and I watched, like, ten different ones. All right, uh, throw a link in our Good Thing channel, and I'll check it out later. Sure. Uh, so my Good Thing this week is a show called Letterkenny. Um, I have posted, I want to say, like, five clips from the show in our Good Thing channel. And it's amazing. I'm a big fan of this show. Uh, I have watched the whole series now about one and a half times over the course of about a week and a half. Um, It is extremely Canadian. Um, There is a great deal of Canadian and, more to the point, hockey lingo that uh, is a little hard to penetrate at first. But, man, it's, it's worth it. It's a great show. Big, big fan. Uh, did either of you watch any of the clips that I posted? Uh, no, I can't say I did. I watched the Kingdom Hearts one. Is that what we're talking about? No. With with Brian David Gilbert? No, Letterkenny has nothing to do with Brian David Gilbert. Uh Although a combination I, I of those did two watch. things would be pretty great. <laughs> I did watch like 10 different Larry David Gilbert or <laughs> Brian David Gilbert videos. As well you should. He was fantastic, but he's not my good thing this week. Um, oh, I will I will throw out a warning. There is just an exceeding amount of language in this show, so if that's an issue for you, then maybe it's not your cup of tea. But, man, it's great. I'm a big fan. Oh, I guess I should talk a little bit about the format. Um, so the show has six seasons released. Um, They're on Hulu currently in the U.S. Uh, in Canada, it was created by Crave, which I understand is Canada's Hulu, basically. Um, each season is six episodes long, 
And starting with season two, they have a bonus seventh episode that is completely unrelated to like the plot of the season and is just sort of a holiday episode. So those are kind of standalone and exist outside of outside of the timeline of the show. So yeah, Letter Kenny. Uh, Tori, what's your good thing? My good thing, because as I have said before, I am basic. My good thing is Game of Thrones. This week, uh, at the time of recording, the last episode airs tonight. It might be terrible. I know a lot of the people who are watching have said that this current season is terrible. But this thing has kept my attention for, what, nine years now? I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed waiting for the new seasons of the show. I enjoy sitting in front of my TV on Sunday nights and watching the show. I enjoy the community and the discussions and the memes. And after tonight, we won't get a new episode anymore. And I have enjoyed it. It's been a long run. Even the terrible episodes have been good for, you know, the memes at least. So that's my good thing. I like the hot brown morning potion they had in one of the recent episodes. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was hilarious. I loved it. I will enjoy uh, watching HBO scramble to just throw spaghetti at a wall until something sticks to find a replacement. Like a spaghetti Westworld? I mean, Westworld is still running. The first season was extremely good. I haven't watched the second season because I don't have HBO. Looks like we need Larry David to make another season of Curb. Although, Game of Thrones ending is opening the door to a lot of things that are coming up. Uh, the one I'm most excited about is the Wheel of Time show. Very, could very they? Yes. Could they possibly bring Flight of the Concords back for a third season after all these years? I don't I know. Hope. Taika Waititi is getting that uh, Marvel money now. I think I heard Larry David's working on a new season of Curb too. Or that might have been years ago. But he just makes them when he feels like it. He doesn't really need to do it. I mean, I feel like he's got enough of a following that he can just sort of make this happen. And and just... It'll but the work. thing is, he hates he hates everything. Like, he hates doing work. He hates writing. He, it's just like... If he feels like it'll be a good artistic contribution, then maybe he'll get up and do it. That's basically how Larry David works, I think. I mean, at this point, it can't be for the money. He's He's got to have plenty <laughs> of that by now. Anyway, uh, Dave, you read some chapters this week. I sure does, did. Okay, this week we read chapters 10 through 13, concluding part one of The Hero of Ages, book three in the Mistborn trilogy by Brandon Sanderson. And I shall begin. Chapter 10, bullet point notes. Chicken nuggets of pure allomancy, power of preservation, larstaism, breezes smug about cataclysm, ashy with a chance of ash, the splash could use an ash of color, church of survivor teaches that Vin will clear the skies, larstaism, eh, or wait, I read that wrong, let me me go back, larstaism, eh, Alrienne shows up to embarrass Breezy Poo. Sezed will no longer teach lies. Sezed is Sezed. Finn misses irrational arguments. Sezed shaves the day. Any questions about chapter 10? 
That's a Shave lot of shaving from Sazed, <laughs> from Sazed, apparently. Yeah. So we start off in the epigraph when Vin is talking about the little chicken nuggets that give people allomantic power, like the one that she gave to Ellen on that fateful day where she released Ruin. And there's also this term, power of preservation, thrown out there. So we'll hopefully find out more about that. And then we go to the chapter proper with Sazed looking over uh, yet another one of his studied religions. And he's looking over Larstyism. It's this artsy-fartsy religion that actually Mare was a member of this religion. And I immediately remembered that she had a picture of a flower. So it really made a lot of sense. And then a few pages later, they remind you that she had a picture of a flower. I got there ahead of the game. So, you know, Breeze is just kind of like, well, it's the end of the world. That's cool. It could use a little more color, though. And they mentioned that it's about six inches of ashfall. I think it's been ashfalling for a month straight. So six inches piled up, and even in some ash drifts, they've piled up to a couple of feet. And, you know, I forget if Demo actually comes in here or says it's just talking about the Church of the Survivor, but they prophesied that Vin will save the world and stop the ash and make the plants green and the skies blue, as they once were. And... Sazed uh, throws out Larstyism because it it doesn't really. Well, I think it, the the thing he exactly says is that like present evidence contradicts this or something, because the basis is that there is a, a god that is directing the world to be beautiful and nothing's beautiful. So Sazed concludes that this religion is incorrect, and then Alrian shows up. And takes a minute to decide whether she wants to get off her horse and get her dress all ashy so that she can embarrass Breeze in front of the army guys. And she does. And Sazed says, I'll no longer teach lies. And then later on, Sazed is shaving his head. And Vin walks in and she says, walks into his tent. She says, How come you're still shaving your head? You're not a servant anymore. You're. You're a freeman. You can shave or not shave. Do whatever you want. And Sazed's, you know, having this bit of identity crisis. And Vin assures Sazed that Sazed is Sazed. And then she leaves and don't really know exactly what direction Sazed is heading from this point. But he does continue shaving his head. And that's the end of Chapter 10. Hooray for Chapter 10. It was in my top 11 favorite chapters so far we covered. Possibly my top 15. All right. But only possibly. Possibly. Chapter 11. First, contract. Thirds helped draft the service contract. How to kill a Chandra. Zane's suckiness is well known. Tensoon hates Zane. Tensoon accidentally, or ironically, calls Zane a genius. Mama Vin. Tensoon's in big trouble, mister, in one month. Uh, so, for me personally, I'm never going to get tired of you trashing on Zane. It's <laughs> incredibly funny and very gratifying to me. Do you Please hate continue. Zane too? Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna, I wrote down the page number here. Let's see what this actually says. 
chapter 11. Uh, okay, so this is what we do. I certainly didn't want to tell the man, Zane, how to kill a chondra. His suckiness was well known. There we go. There it is. In my copy of the book, it says, I think, instability, but I'm just going to say that Ruin got to my book and that it originally said suckiness. <laughs> okay. Ruin got to your book. That makes more sense. <laughs> because okay. I, I didn't remember the phrase suckiness showing up in this book, and I feel like it would have stood out. It would have stood out a little maladroitly, I think. So Ten Soon is on trial here. This is the moment he's uh, trying to influence the younger generations. He's not so much trying to get out of his sentencing, but to spur his race on to the next stage of their social evolution, I guess. And on the stand, he he uh, explains that he did not betray Zane. Rather, he was serving Vin, who would have been a higher priority master as she slew the Lord Ruler, thus became the mother of all Chandra. So Tensoon saw a greater responsibility to serve Vin than to serve Zane. And that's his defense. And we'll find out what happens to him in one month. So I got to say, I do also really, really enjoy all of these... And they're very short, but like all of these Chandra homeland chapters are just yeah, agreed. extremely good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also get a lawyer drama in here for a minute, so that's cool. <laughs> yep. I just hope that Tensoon doesn't get sentenced to being cut up into five pieces, or would that be too soon? No, that one didn't fly. All right. It doesn't math. You can, you can cut that out. I don't think I will. I, th- I think you not landing a joke is actually funnier in the medicine. <laughs> uh, we what should is have this? sound effects. I'm not Michael Scott. I mean, come on. Uh, sound effects are well beyond my budget, Tori. You can make your own sound effects with your voice, like the Brothers Chaps do. We're, we're going to need way more patrons for sound effects to be a thing. How hard could it be? Just get an air horn, record it, save that file. No, I don't think I'm going to do that. And I also think I'm going to cut this whole section here because it's nothing. That's fair. So, Dave. Yeah. That's it for chapter 11. You guys like chapter 11? It is one of my 12 best chapters of this book. Okay. So far. All right. Chapter 12. Vin is worried about Sazed and Ham. Elend will make everything better. Crop circle map. Ruin, Mbot cameo, worried about Erto, L crew needs to laugh more. So here is the meeting that Ellen is throwing together with all the world rulers, including Set, but I think not including Penrod. I think Penrod's busy right now. And, you know, Vin is worried about Sazed, obviously, and also about Ham. Just, you know, he's still being kind of cheery on the outside, but Vin notices that, he, you know, his heart's not in it the way that it was in years past. And Alan thinks to himself, I'm the emperor. It's my job to make everything better. So now we go and have the meeting. They've got a crop circle map. So basically it's a map with a circle centered around Luthadel and showing where the viable 
fertile soil is going to be in the upcoming summer. And there's a very small portion of land. And they also talk about having to invade Fadric City, Set's hometown, in order to get to the cash. And, they, you know, at, at this point, uh, Vin hears what she thinks is Reen whispering in her ear about finding the ATM. And I think that's a thinly veiled disguise for ruin at this point. Uh, I'm sticking with my theory that her earring lets ruin communicate or influence her more directly than he does with normal people. And at any rate, I don't think Reen ever said to Vin, you got to get that ATM. There's that. And then there's an MBOT cameo where uh, someone just comes up and starts saying that they need to start growing mushrooms. It was actually it was actually Ham talking about possible food sources that don't require light to grow. He's talking about mushrooms. And it made me think of MBOT. I and miss course, MBOT. I'm, wait, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for um, Starsight, I think is the name of the second one. Yeah, I'm ready for that. Starbright. Okay, and they're also talking about how Erto was overthrown by a Ska Rebellion. And so they're going to send Sazed and some others over there. Sazed reluctantly goes, but, you know, he'll, he'll obey the Emperor even though he doesn't really want to. He wants to kind of turtle up and stick with his studies. And Ellen just, he starts this little speech and it's like, what's different now than than it was when everything seemed hopeless and Kelsier was the leader. And everybody agrees that they they just laughed more. Kelsier was just very defiant and, you know, even just laughing in the face of fate just to show that he he felt a positivity, a control over his circumstance. And, and the laughter and the smiling was the way to do it. And Ellen is like, I don't care if you guys don't feel like smiling. I order you to smile. And that's the end of chapter 12. Because that's how Kelsier did it. He ordered (laughs) everyone to smile. Well, Kelsier didn't have Duralumin. Are you suggesting that Ellen should Duralumin push on everyone's emotions to make them happy? No, that might hurt. Now I've just got this mental image of Kelsier as this fedora-wearing neckbeard who's being all, you'd look prettier if you smiled. (laughs) Oh, I had a great idea. Yeah, I don't like that, Tori. I don't like that at all. I don't either. I don't want to see that fan art. Wearing nothing but a fedora and a mist cloak. I want to see that fan art. (laughs) So I had an idea. All Seizid has to do is find the ferrochemical metal that stores sadness and then just perpetually fill that metal. And he'll be happy all the time. He would need a lot of that metal. I mean, when it, when something's full, can he just dismiss it, like like dump it out, or does he actually have to tap into it to use it? I uh, think and, like, he actually there... would have to tap into it to use it. I don't know that there's a way to uh, to just empty uh, metal storage. And do they have a maximum capacity? Um, that was never really addressed. That I think it 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 isn't so like. If you really, really wanted to, you could like completely empty a very, very large, very full metal mine 
of whatever it's storing by just tapping into it at and at just a ridiculous rate because that's the thing with Furukami is that there's no upper limit to it. I um, mean, is there say gold stores health? Is there can a gold ring store more or like less health than a gold bracelet and that can store less health than like a gold armband can? Correct. Okay. So the actual volume of metal is is an important fact. Yes. That that is relevant although um, I mean, that, and that's, that's even brought up earlier in, in the books where like Seizid has the, the rings from when they go to assault, um, Blackrock Spire. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have much in them because they're rings, but it's enough. Now that I'm thinking about it, a similar thing happens when he's tapping into his steel mines, when he's trying to travel quickly back from the conventicle of Saren back to Luthadel. And he, I think he has multiple bracelets and he just, he taps them out and then he like throws it away, you know, to jettisons them. I guess it's not the same as jettisoning because he's not throwing them to increase his momentum. But, (laughs) um, but but he is dumping the dead weight. He's dumping the dead weight. Yeah. I mean, a steel bracelet is not an inherently valuable thing. Mm hmm. And once okay. he's once he's tapped all the speed from it, like that's that's it. Okay, so now I'm wondering, like we know that the metal mines get full, like there there's an upward capacity not fill them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we know that other people can't use your metal mines, but if somebody else, like, say I had a steel bracelet and it was full of my stuff and then somebody else picked it up, could they then store something in it or is it just going to be full for them? Is it like, is it like a flash drive that all of the memory is taken up with files they can't access or? <laughs> I think it's that, but we don't have anything that says one way or another definitively. I would assume that it's that, at least. All right, chapter 13. Chapter 13. Chapter 13. This is a really quick chapter, just two or three pages. Marsh is missing something. Marsh misses ruin. Coloss are gianter Kirby's that don't poop. Kelsier won't leave Marsh alone. Can ruin read minds? Marsh is planning to pull a Kelsier. So we uh, cut back to Marsh here for the end of part one, and he's thinking to himself, doesn't want to say anything out loud, Ruin's listening, thinking to himself, you know, that Ruin has left him alone for quite a bit of time. He's afraid to so much as lift an arm because he doesn't want to draw attention to himself. And thinking about how the, the Coloss can basically eat ash and dead plants and everything and they can survive off of it uh, which actually i guess makes sense that they just keep getting bigger and bigger because they keep eating stuff and accumulating mass and they don't poop kind of like mist wraiths before they become chondra chondra can poop but mist wraiths cannot or maybe they can they just don't they're kind of like sharks like all they do is eat and grow and keep growing until they get so big that they die Okay, so 
And Marsh is reflecting on the past about uh, how he kind of gave up on life when his former love interest slash Kelsier's wife, Mare, died. Kelsier went on to try and fulfill Mare's wishes. And Marsh just kind of fell off and gave up. And he feels bad about that. So now he's he's plotting to turn on Ruin by unplugging himself at a crucial moment. And he also thinks that Ruin can't read minds. I wasn't... I, I had thought about this, and Marsh is under the impression that Ruin can't read minds, but whether he can or not, I think that is, it remains to be seen. And uh, how did you like... Part one. It was definitely my favorite part of this book so far. Um, actually, what I would like to know is what kind of theories do you have for the rest of the book and the end of this trilogy? Theories, huh? What's going to happen? Uh, one second. So what's going to happen is Finn's going to make the sky blue and make flowers appear. And I'm getting kind of scared about Elland. Like, I think he's he's having to go through a lot right now, and I hope he comes out the other end of it just better instead of becoming corrupted at some point. But I'm a little scared. And All right. Anything I think that, else? Yeah. I, I want to see a nice conclusion to Seizade's story arc as well. And what would you consider a nice conclusion? I don't know. That? I'm trying to think. See, I don't see Seizade as being a person who will find one specific religion and say, this is the right religion. This is what I believe. This is correct. Let's stick with this. I see Seizid more of a relativist. And I think that he is just going to see that there is some truth in all of the religions that he's been studying. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's gonna, I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into that cause I don't know, <laughs> but I don't, I don't expect Seizid to just, you know, come, come upon one religion and be like, ah, that's it. And that's going to be the end. I, I don't think that that's really what he's going toward right now. And let's see, I think Clubs is going to die. Kidding. I. I'm also kind of curious what happened to what happened to Mist Ghost. I don't think we've heard anything about really the Mist Spirit. Wait, he's related to the Conjure somehow. No, he can't be because Conjure were created by Lord Ruler. Never mind. Uh, and the Mist Spirit existed while Alendi was going the terrace. But I want I want Tensoon to to come back home and you know hang out with. Vin and they'll have good times and I want I want there to be I, I, I need to find out what or who it was that imprisoned Ruin in the first place that's the biggest piece of the puzzle that we're missing right now is okay Ruin was in this this prison at the well of ascension or needed the power of the well to, to get out but who put him there I assume that the misspirit is somehow connected to his incarceration 
maybe just as a guard or maybe as some representative of a council that punished Ruin. But we don't we don't really know. That's that's the biggest question that I want answered right now. Who imprisoned Ruin? All right. Uh, take a look at the Dave Theories channel and see if I caught all of the relevant bits that you just mentioned. Club step. Tensoon and Vin, good times. Ruin's prison. Why, who, why, yeah, looks good. All right. We will be checking back in on those probably at the end of part two. Okay. Um, so, yeah, oh. how we progress on those. Um, uh, mm, so a lot of the chapters in this book are fairly short. Uh, so I think I'm going to be reworking the upcoming episode chapter so we can get through the book in slightly less than six months. Yay. Uh, so keep an eye on that because I will be amending things probably to hit closer to about 50 pages a week instead of just three chapters. Okay. Make sure you edit the original pin rather than making a new message. I think that'll be the easiest way to keep track of it. All right, I can do that. When I when I go to there for reference, I'll just check the pinned messages rather than having to find whatever the more most recent or most relevant one is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right. Tori, do you have anything else for Dave before we uh, give him the boot? Uh, uh, no, I've got stuff I want to talk about after we boot the Dave. Fair enough. Uh, all right, Dave, I think that is your cue to exit. Uh, good luck, have fun commentating your SM puzzle race. Exit, stage left even. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, Tori, uh, I think I know what you want to lead with, but why don't you go ahead and start us off? What, what do you think I'm going to lead with? Now I'm curious. Uh, that Ruin is talking to Vin through her, through her earring? No, that wasn't what I was going to talk about. Why don't you talk about that first? I mean, there isn't really anything to talk about. He got it exactly right. Didn't he? Dang. No, for real. He knows too much. Um, but I am curious what, what you wanted to talk about. Was it Dave's theories and, like, discussing them? No, I wanted to go back to my Metal Mind questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in, in the chat here, uh, Fel Knight, who is joining us today, he says, feels like it will become quite important in the space age, Mistborn, assuming that compounding is involved and that they can't de-identity every metal mind core for the ships. So that sounds awesome. Well, but also, in... go ahead. Also, so if one Farukmist uses the metal mind and stores stuff in it and then nobody else can use it, then eventually we would run out of metal. I mean, maybe. It would take a while, but it could be a thing. Especially with the space age misborn. Like, you're on a ship, there's limited supplies of metal on the ship. Somebody could just, like, store a bunch of stuff and then, I don't know, die. And then that metal is useless now. Hmm. I feel like there's a solution to this, but I also feel like I haven't dived deep enough into at least Era 2 Furukami to, to spot it. Like, doesn't Aluminum Furukami do something weird with, like, storing investiture or something like that? I don't know. We should have done all this research before we started this discussion. I mean, I didn't know we were going to have this discussion. 
I didn't either. It happened organically. Things should never be allowed to happen organically. They're so messy. They are. Um, and then, okay, to the point of the uh, the Space Age de-identitying every metal mind, um, I mean, that's... We're still too full... Like, like that's... That's an entire trilogy away with probably several hundred years in-universe, and every single book that we've gotten has given us some new insight into existing metallic arts in some way. So I'm guessing that the like the the Scadrian spaceships are gonna run using existing systems in a way that like nobody has considered except Brandon. Yes, we will be hilariously wrong, but it is sure fun to ponder. I mean, that's if there's a tagline for this show, I think that's it. Uh, so, Tori. Uh, yes. What about Dave's theories? Oh, what about Dave's theories? Gosh. Will Sazed find religion? Will Sazed find some truth in all religions, but no truth in just one religion. Yeah, I'm telling you, he knows too much. Uh, Club's death? I mean, <laughs> yes, but also one of, oh, just so many. And wait, did Club die at the end of the last book? He did. He was, yeah, Dave was joking when he brought that up. <laughs> okay. I think I was just writing and not thinking. Yeah. Whatever. He, uh, he, he skipped the rush. Um, he had some good thoughts about the Miss Spirit. That was, that was interesting. Or at least good questions about the Miss Spirit. Yeah, when he assumed that it was, you know, maybe a guard or a jailer or something. I mean,. Also, yes. Yeah, it's good that he's thinking about who imprisoned Ruin. Well, I think I think maybe where his head's at for that is more in line with like what Odium has been up to rather than preservation and Ruin going toe to toe. Have we talked with him about Odium? Oh, absolutely not, and we will not. Odium is absolutely off limits until we're probably a good way into the way of kings that's kind of what i thought so uh, what do you mean by that's where his head is oh just the the basic mo of like an, an utterly overpowering being of that same sort of like of the shardic level which is which is what odium has been doing rather than you know a, a double cross from from someone of the exact same power level, minus a teeny tiny bit, which is what actually happened. So uh, Dave thinks that Elland is going to become corrupted, which suggests to me that he doesn't understand Elland's character quite as well as he should. Well, no, like, Elland is definitely becoming a harder character, uh like so far in this book there's there's a significant change from where we left him at the end of the last book. I would say pragmatism, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say corruption. No, not corruption. Um uh, but that that pragmatism in other characters does lead to corruption. So I can see where he would have got that idea. Okay. Uh Fel Knight is saying to be fair, he didn't see Spook's corruption coming either. And, I mean, yeah, but 
Spook's corruption was firmly on on ruin, you know. Like Spook didn't Spook didn't go corrupt himself. Spook didn't gain power and then, you know, become corrupted by it. Spook had Spook had Kelsier telling him, "Yeah, yeah, man, you have Pewter now, and if you kill this guy, you can have another power." And I forget which one it was, but it was one of them. Ah, coin shot. Yes. But, yeah. Spook has... I feel like Spook has one of the... Next to Sazed, Spook has the best plot in... Or plot line in this book. Sazed only gets the best because of the ending. And Sazed's ending was perfect. Uh, so, Tori, you got anything else to keep us going? No, I kind of covered all of my stuff. <laughs> Dang it. Um, I've been re-listening to Oathbringer, which, while incredibly interesting, doesn't really add much to a discussion of Mistborn for where for where I'm at right now. Nope, um, I can't think of anything else. Dalinar's backstory is like pure villain. Like, if, yeah. if that book were set at literally any time before about five years where before where it is set, Dalinar would have absolutely been a major villain. That guy yeah, was like for pure sure. evil. He, yeah. He was, uh... Yeah, his flashback chapters are... It's scary because you... At the point where you get those chapters, like, you already admire Dalinar so much. Like, he, he's basically everybody's dad. And... Just, you know, it really makes you think that people that you know and admire, older people who um, maybe you look up to, once upon a time, they were young and stupid as well. Um, yeah, so regarding Brandon holding off on Dalinar's backstory, at one point, um, the second book was announced with the title The High Prince of War. So, like, at, at one point after Way of Kings came out, uh, it was... It was supposed to have been his book, but then he swapped things around because at that point everything was still very much in the planning stages. But man, I need I need book four of of Stormlight, and I need book four of Mistborn Era two, and I need book two of the Rhythmatist, and I need book two of Skyward and I need a lot of books. I need a lot of books, Brandon. I just I need a lot of books, please. Brandon. You might want to hit him up on Twitter, because I don't think he's listening to this. Well, I'm not going to bother him about writing more, because I know <laughs> he's he's good, and I know that authors get way too much of that. Like, the rate at which he produces books is just fine by me. I'm just... I'm just talking. Although, since I am asking for books, hey, hey Pat Rothfuss, I could really use Doors of Stone, and Jim Butcher... Uh, would love to get some peace talks pretty soon. Oh my gosh, yes. What is taking so long, Jim Butcher? I mean, my understanding is that it's almost done. Like, it's very, very close to being done, but... There's... But haven't they been saying that for ages? Yeah, I don't know. And Pat Rothfuss, what are you doing? Because I haven't read the first two because, you know, I was sticking to my resolve to wait for the author to either finish or die. 
I was like, oh, it's only a trilogy. I won't have to wait long. Everyone keeps telling me how good Name of the Wind is. And and I'm like, yeah, but he's got to either finish it or die. And holy cow, it's been so long. I'm beginning to get very worried that I've been sucked in by yet another J.J. Abrams mystery box. Does that term mean anything? No, tell me what that means. Okay, so J.J. Abrams at one point did a TED Talk where he discusses his, like, core story technique, which is what he calls the mystery box. Uh, basically, in your, in your setup of a thing, you just throw a ton of mysterious things that nobody has any idea what's going on. You ask questions. You ask lots and lots and lots and lots of questions. Um, you can see it in Lost. You can see it in um, Star Wars. Force Awakens. Um, you can see it in basically everything J.J. Abrams did that is a multiple part thing. And this is great for beginning a story. This is absolutely garbage for ending a story because while you're asking these questions, you don't have the answers. You don't have the endings. This is the at, the exact opposite of what Brandon does where before Mistborn 1 came out, he knew how it was ending. He knew what pieces needed to be where. He knew how hemallergy worked in the first book. He knew all of this going in. He knew that he was writing a trilogy of trilogies. He didn't realize he had an extra era to throw in there. Um, but he knew that like the magic system would would evolve and expand and like there would be more to it that he wouldn't be explaining right away because there just wouldn't be the technology available to the people at the time to like access any of this. It mm. so like Brandon is the exact opposite of this, where he knows his ending, and the whole thing is just sort of working toward that. J.J. Abrams is front load the beginning with questions and mysteries, and just just no one knows what's going on. And it's really intriguing, and it draws you in really, really well. But then the ending is the most unsatisfying thing, because there isn't one. And again, I'd like yeah. to point to Lost. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to have some issues with the Star Wars movie coming out this Christmas. So, I guess, called shot for that will not probably be a satisfying ending. So, so yeah. I have issues with J.J. Abrams and his and his story technique. And what you're saying is you're worried that Pat Rothfuss is doing one of those. I am worried that he has done that, yes. And that that is part of what is taking book three so long, because he didn't have an ending in mind. And now he has to figure out a way to make all these pieces come together to make an ending. But since he didn't have it in his head from the start... It's just not going to work as well as it should. Now, well, this this is an entirely separate issue from it being like a like a satisfying ending isn't necessarily a good ending. And the King Killer Chronicle is already established as a tragedy. Like things don't end well, and that's fine as long as they end satisfyingly. Like one could argue pretty strongly that Mistborn does not end well, but it's an extremely satisfying ending. 
That's all I'm hoping for from Game of Thrones tonight. I suspect that I you suspect may be disappointed. I suspect it's going to be, yeah. Yeah, I suspect that very highly. I hope um, you're not. I hope it's great. But, yeah. Eh. It will be great because it will be an ending. It will be over. It's not going to be a giant cliffhanger. It's going to end. And that's going to be it. So, I think that's where we end our our episode today. Is with disappointment in unsatisfying endings. But it is an ending, and therefore... <laughs> and that's how we end the episode. Unsatisfyingly. Yep. Good night, Internet. Bye, everybody. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast, or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.